Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready. We're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 195. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Gentlemen, it is Code of Honor. Hallelujah. It is obviously the one we like the most. It is, to me, the most... uh, It is the epitome of what it means to be Snakes and Otters. The crux. Yes. It is the best of what we are to sit around and, and talk about these weighty matters. And today, we do have a weighty matter. Because even though we're not going to do quotes from a particular person, mm-hmm. uh, because last week, or last episode rather, which would have been a couple of weeks ago now, we did Scumbags of the Revolution, we're going to be talking about honor. We're truly going to do a code of honor about honor. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that was my suggestion. And... Uh, the gentlemen have uh, decided to uh, uh, honor my request. Boom, boom. Well, after you announced it at the end of the last uh, episode, we kind of are trapped. Well, no. that's just my sneakiness. We can't, we can't squirrel out of it. Well, you guys didn't have to agree. But you did. We so. were on the spot, so. Yeah. yeah. So, well, yeah, yeah. But uh, just we're kicking it here at the atrium and studio. That's R. true. We didn't even mention that uh, last yeah. time. We got so caught up in being excited with Marcus Aurelius yes. being here. We didn't even talk about where yeah, we so were. Marcus Aurelius was, uh, was our guest and visited us um, for the last episode. It was a terrific discussion and it was wonderful to see him. I thought he looked great. Yes, he's lost a bit of weight, getting uh-huh. uh, moving around a lot easier, yeah. a lot better. I, I told him last night when I talked to him on the phone that. Uh, uh, in, even in his voice, he sounds like he feels he, he better. He sounds like him. Very yeah. much so. He sounds like him. His, he, you know, his face looking good. and um, Yep. Yeah, so he, he was a ton of fun to have here. Yep, always a good time. So that, it was great to have him here. So, uh, yeah, we are in the atrium here overlooking the uh, backyard and the large down tree beyond my fence that uh, came down uh, last month in one of the big windstorms. Uh, trees are getting green again, so mm-hmm. we're getting that nice... Wonderful view out the backyard. I love recording here. Got kind of some wildflowers out back past the fence. And... Yeah. When it rains really heavy and out beyond the fence, because even though we do get a little bit of water in the yard, it gets really deep out there. So, we have ducks that will swim. No. Oh, That's man. how deep the water will get out there. But it's not like that now. It's it's in really good uh, really good shape. So we're gonna do quotes about honor. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Martin, uh, I, I nominate you to go first. All right. So, um, Calvin Coolidge. Of course you picked that. Silent <laughs> Cal. That's right. Which is odd, because you can use a quote from a guy we call Silent. <laughs> yeah, from a guy that didn't talk much. But just shows when he did talk, and that was part of his philosophy, was, you know, a president's word carries weight. Yes, you should be careful when using them. Is 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 a you know is a uh, Calvin Coolidge thing. So, the quote is: "No person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave." Oh, very nice. So that was I saw that. Yeah, immediately grabbed. I saw something similar. Yeah, uh, you know, and being a Coolidge, so I just yes, I mean that's kind of the the. In the sense of honoring another person, not necessarily a, your personal honor, quote. Yeah. But the honor, uh, 
when you when you think of another person that you consider an honorable person, it's all about what they've given. Yes, and not about what they have received. So it comes from the inside done. out, yeah. not the outside in. Yeah. It well, and it's about character, right? Of course, yeah, that's right. Because and it's about the uh, spirit the of, of, you know, I have to do something that holds up my end of the blanket. You know, society's that great big blanket, and we've all got a corner, and you've got to hold up your end, and that's that's the honorable thing to do. So it's it's about what you gave. Um, you know, you you worked. Work is honorable because it's giving of yourself. Yes, you get paid, but if the job didn't need doing, nobody would hire you to do it. So there's honor in that honest work. And it's all about what you gave of yourself. So honor must be produced. It cannot be bestowed. It's productive. It's bestowed right. on you, but it's because of what you've produced. Well, I would hesitate to 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 use the word productive because that that seems to imply a quantification. That well, that's, that's why that's why I laid that out. There. Yeah, and and I, I don't think you can quantify. You're you're yes, you're quite right. Because um, I think there's a danger in that you get too mechanistic, too uh, uh, too likely to start seeing others as things. Too utilitarian. Yes, too utilitarian. We don't need any more John Stuart Mills. Yeah, that's right. We burned him in effigy once. We, we can yeah. do it again. If Although we, need to. we did discover there were, you know, some things that weren't so bad about him, as well, we often will. Well, do that's one of the reasons that he's still read and, right. uh, and followed. Yeah. so many today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, not, but yeah, easy. we do have to because I would say that honor and utilitarianism, I wouldn't say they are diametrically opposed because that's they're not. It's, it implies that they are the opposite of one another in that sense. Well, but, but utility would have would not see value in honor. Well, it's right, be irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah, irrelevant. It, it irrelevant. Yes, the, the utility wouldn't even. It, it would be a foreign concept. Uh, honor would be a foreign concept. Yeah, outside it, the scope of, of the yeah. way they come to together. And you could do something that is incredibly unproductive that still holds great honor. In that sense, so I don't think it would. That's why I hesitate to use. But generally, it, it, to it, me, it's more. It, it's the act. Yeah, it, it it's a self. It has to be a selfless thing. Yes, absolutely. If it's done for oh. selfish reasons, it is no longer honorable. Oh, so it's and, and yet it is still produced. Right, right. Not all produced act produced yeah. things. Not all acts are honorable. Well, that's correct. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, in other words, the, uh, the, the teleology is, here, the intention, the purpose of honor, then, is to be created for a noble purpose? I don't know that you can assign purpose to honor. It's kind of like, it's like, to me, that's like trying to assign purpose to dignity. Okay, that's that's good. That's good. They are both things that just are. They're good things that we would want to describe somebody with, but they are an ends to themselves, not a means. So they so they do not function teleologically. In other words, they don't have a purpose in their. They're more ontological. Themselves. That's correct. They're, and they're not truly ontological because they're not uh, imbued and inherent. Right. But they they do have or, they or are an end or, more than yeah a, all right or are they I mean could they be inherent I mean just because you don't have it doesn't necessarily because well, you know, all people don't have yeah. it 
but it is still a universal concept. Dignity, I think, is inherent because we've talked. As we know, that's my my. my yeah, thing. yeah, that's very true. But honor, I don't think, is 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 as inherent. It's just it's dependent on your relations with others. It is a function yes, of it, it of, is a function of, of how you view and treat others. So I'm going to hit the button about as as being Coolidge would say. the human person. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yes. If you have no, if you do not respect the, the inherent dignity of the human person, you cannot have honor. Yeah. You're you're not going to act honorably in any way. Right. So you can you could say that dignity uh, is a precursor, uh, and uh, respecting dignity is a precursor. To yeah. Honor. So honor is ultimately selfless, and yes, can, absolutely, and can never be selfish. I think so. I think yeah. that's... And I think there there's uh, that that's very perceptive of Coolidge. For someone who was essentially a politician his whole life, right? Um, not a not someone given to philosophical flights, right? He just a good, very practical guy. Yeah, yeah, down home New England practical guy. That that's a very insightful thing. And you know what? Honor is about what you gave of yourself to others. But you know, I think that's. I think this is something that we have lost. Quite a bit as a country, uh, as, a, as as a civilization. I don't have to say specifically to our country, but that down home practicalness, that simple mindedness. We have no common sense anymore. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah. yeah. The the, home, I mean, the homespun wit and brilliance of a Lincoln or a Twain is often lost upon the current generation. Well, yeah, well, true, but that's not quite what I, where I was going with that. But is that how we're talking about honor? That would be. Well, duh. I mean, they wouldn't put it that way. Yeah. But I think that 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 would just been part and parcel of their their upbringing, their culture. They may not have used the word the way we're talking about it, but I think it would have been understood. You know, there's a uh, not to be sexist, but there's a gentlemanliness to honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about right. that in the last episode yeah. with a genteelness. How, a genteelness, yes, that would probably be a better way to put it. Right. Uh, and how uh, uh, Tarleton fought the the American Revolution for the Brits, mm-hmm. that there was no honor in the way he fought. Right, right. Uh, and you can make the argument that that there was no honor in the way that uh, 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 Arnold fought. Uh, you know, when he slaughtered those who surrendered himself. That's right. That's great. So, <clears throat> so yeah, I think honor is definitely tied to your relationship with other people. So look at it this way. It's not even so much what you do for them, but it, it, it can also be what you don't do to them. So honor is an internal characteristic. It's an internal characteristic, but in, in the sense that it, it is... It's, a, it's something that has to be it doesn't happen to externally. You. Yes. But right. I mean, you so cannot like, be the not... object of honor. Hmm... Well, I mean, someone can act honorably towards you. Yeah, but they've been. Well, we talk about how you know we honor people. Like if there's a dignitary in the in a gathering, you know, we honor them, uh, shower praises upon them. That presumes though they are worthy of it, which often yeah, I mean, not. like an award ceremony, right? Yeah. you know, that's that's what Coolidge. He well, would, he would view award ceremonies for like being in a movie that made two hundred million dollars. That's not really honor. They would call it that. We honor you with an Oscar. Well, in a sense, I mean, it you is. Say, you know, okay. Well, they gave a performance that we enjoyed. 
and judged well, it to be superior to others by yeah, a, a and I think that criteria. Is, yeah, I think that is a form of honor because you're looking money aside, how much it earned, <coughs> yeah. how stupid because some of them really are. Yeah, oh, the yeah. endeavor might have been. It obviously gave enjoyment and entertainment to someone. And if there's enough enjoyment and entertainment, how is that any different than say? giving some author a Pulitzer for the fantastic novel he wrote. Um, I would argue that there's no um, clinical difference. Now how they go about that is entirely different. But any of those honors would really be kind of foreign to Coolidge. Because that would have been so much later when we started to honor artistic works with awards and stuff. that That would be foreign to his era and generation really almost. Because well, even, even well, things like Oscars didn't come around come that that much later than him. I mean, that's, we're talking basically a decade later. True. So I don't know. It would now. I don't know when he died. So I mean, you make the argument that it's definitely a later generation. I mean, they would have been younger. Those would have been. Yeah, but I mean, I mean it's definitely it, it's not something he would have experienced much. Well, you know, giving medals to. Uh, to soldiers, soldiers yeah. is a form of honor. So, I mean, again, that is specifically for doing right, something. Right, right, but that that he would understand. Yeah, but I mean, in, I just, I just, in principle, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference. You know, in okay. in scope and in in in, in meaning, uh, you know, true meaning, deep meaning, yes, there's a huge difference huge, yeah. between giving a medal for somebody to somebody for saving their entire platoon and for being the best supporting actress in a comedy filmed in... Yeah, some particular fashion and, and with this particular lighting, and, and it seems like they give a million different Oscars for the, the slightest distinction. So yeah. it's kind of watered it down. It used to be there were only a few Oscars, and that you were honored for truly being the best of the best of the best. Um, and I think that's kind of the presumption. You know, you can act with honor all day long, and nobody know it. Matter of fact, I would say the best honor is that honor which nobody even realizes is there. Yeah. We're speaking of honor as a noun, not as a verb. Yes, for, for purposes, I think so. For purposes of this discussion. Yes. But, <coughs> but like many nouns, there is an inherent verb that goes with it. Correct, yeah. yeah they're related. It's just, yeah. I think we're tr- to get to the essence of honor... We have to concentrate. Right, because the whole now. point of this was that the two people we discussed in the last episode had no honor. Right, objectively so. Uh, by every denominator, you know, yeah. history has judged them both to be that, and it was just that, that's a consistent judgment for two hundred years. Right. So you know that's kind of why we decided let's roll with this. Right. But I think honor is is one of those things that so you know the guy going about his life taking care of his family. You know, not cheating on his wife. Well, on the one hand, you might say, well, why should you be called out for that? That's the way you're supposed to act. Well, yes, but being fallen creatures, we know that a good number of people don't do the things that they ought to do. Right. In many ways... The standard is a standard because it matters. Yeah. Yeah, There are reasons for that standard to matter. And it's okay to give praise for being the standard... Because, again, so many do not. It's, you know, let's have some encouragement for, for everybody's doing the right thing. Right. I mean, you know, if you call it out every day, all day, it becomes meaningless. But at least the occasional recognition that this is right and good and just is appropriate. 
you know, recognize that there are millions, millions of people that go about their lives every day doing what they ought to do. Mm-hmm. And when we say doing what they ought to do, that means in relationship to others. That's right. I mean, they treat not us, lying, right. cheating, stealing, yeah, the killing. The ones that make the news are the ones who act dishonorably. Yeah. But there are, you know, in any one day, even when some one person does something horrible, there's 330 million people that went to work and were decent to one another and the whole time. Right. right. So, read your, say your quote again. We feel like we've gotten a little bit away from it, uh, perhaps. Right. No person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. Right. So when we were talking about you know things like the Oscars or the people, that's exactly the definition that he's talking about. Yeah. They have done something worthy of recognition. Uh, and you know maybe that's the problem with the the whole everyday honor thing is yeah. that we no longer see that as worthy of recognition. It was considered at one time to be a very noble thing to quietly go about your life taking care of your family. Sure. I don't think it's seen as very noble anymore. Well, not in, not in the day of the uh, constant celebrity that so many search yeah, after. everybody wants to be famous. Yeah, exactly. Acting honorably is no longer enough. I call it the Richard Heaney syndrome. You remember the guy with the balloon boy? What? Oh, you guys don't remember that. Yeah, Richard Heaney was his name. That was Colorado. The, the, he had a balloon that went off away, and he said that his son was in it. They call this was this wasn't that many years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and they and they followed it, and, and uh, you had first responders from all over doing it. And the kids upstairs in the attic, and they comes out to find out that was deliberate. They wanted the attention. They wanted to become reality TV stars, and the the wife and he ended up a having to pay all that those tens of thousands of dollars back. They also did time for it. Oh yeah, that's a misappropriation. Oh, of, you betcha. Of, that's right. They yeah. were, uh, and they they begged, begged and pleaded, please don't do this to us. We have small children, and they said tonight, forty years. Oh, that yeah. wasn't what they got. But yeah, you should have thought of that. Well, I mean, that that's exactly. And see, that's exactly the point. That's why I call it that because uh, this guy here in that 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 pursuit of fame was willing to do the most dishonorable of things. Yeah, uh, for, he endangered other people's lives. Well, yes, because he tied up resources for no reason other than in their own attempted glorification. Yeah. And, and it's the, the, so, I mean, that is so right. Just where you see nothing of the world but what's within three inches is, of your it, face. That is the ultimate dishonor. No, yeah, I mean, just had no concept of, gee, if I have ambulances chasing this balloon, that's endangering other people. Yeah, just well, no, there's no. Yeah. There's no grasp but it's of also reality. kind of stupid because I'm sorry, but how do you think this is, you know, how, how did how you, you not see the end of this? Yeah, how do you not see that the hell this is going to end? Well, you know, that's something that that I ask myself quite often. It's like, how can you not see that things are going to end badly in so many situations? Mm-hmm. You know, now granted, we all have our blind spot moments, but generally those are small things, you know, like... You know, there's, there's always Where the consequences that, are small. Yeah, there's always that hold my beer moment. Right. Or hold my bourbon moment. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, you know, we don't want to spill our bourbon when we're going off and doing something stupid with Marcus Aurelius. Uh, not that any of us have ever done that before. Um, We've well, often watched him do something silly, but sometimes... I've you know, tagged along on more than a few. Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes I just watch. Mm. Well, sometimes there is a great... When it comes to him, there's a great deal of fun in the watching. I will grant you that. Yes. 
But some, you, know, you wonder sometimes, how can you not realize the, the negative consequences for what you're about to do? Because it's not a small thing. Right. And the, the potential, yeah, the, the, just the potential. So many people cannot see, and I don't know how they do it. I really don't. Trying to figure out how you would, how you could rationalize yourself to the point where you come become not only the winner, but a spectacular winner in this situation, which is what Heaney had to do. Right. He had to see this as somehow... A big thing, this is it, get us and, and, and reality came yeah. in and just it, it didn't smack him in the face. It Mike Tyson punched him in the face. Oh yeah, yep. He had a plan, and then he got punched in the face. That's right. As if my talk about reality putting his foot so far up his body, he had to tie his shoes in his mouth. That's right. And and the and the children and, and the children suffered for that. Yeah. Ultimately, they did. Well, they may have been better off afterwards. I mean, no, 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 I mean, what kind of? I mean, think about the, what kind of parent. I, mean, I don't want to pile on this guy. That's not the point. But I mean, well, when I mean, you think about yeah. what kind of parents those are that would do something so hugely, monumentally stupid. And it, narcissistic. It, and it narcissistic. Stems, it stems from the narcissism. Yes. Let's not forget well, that. It, it's like Martin just said, though. It, you know, how can you not... It's somebody who can't see three inches beyond their face. Yeah. And that's the... It goes... We talk about this all the time. And I, and I, I hate to pummel the expired equine. Uh, it's it's that ultimate narcissism where you don't. It's not that I don't think they can see they can't see the the uh, potential bad things that could happen. I think it's just that other people aren't real, and that is psychosis. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, that's what we're talking other, about. Other people are just objects to feed my needs, right? Right. Kind of thing. I mean, that's a very psych- psychopathic way of looking that's at exactly the world. Right. That's yeah, sociopath. It's kind of hard not yeah, to sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to see that in that guy. I mean, and I understand this is something that we all tend to do at times. You know, I mean, how many of us have not been at a have never been to a restaurant and gotten bad service and you know. Not necessarily treated people badly because of it, but have not taken the time to understand why we could have gotten bad service that particular night. And, you know, we rail about it or whatever. You know, but your waitress may have just found out she just lost her her, her mom or dad or the, grandfather. A thousand reasons. Because they are they are an a them. They are the other. Well, yeah, and, and they're just you, not if real. You have, yeah, exactly. They're there to serve us, literally. Well, yeah, you know? and, that's, and that is... It, 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 it has its own sense of, of, of sociopathy. Right. So the point is that you know, we, we all have done something like that before, sure. but we also recognize that those are isolated incidents. Well, they don't, rep- they don't represent a deep-seated tendency in ourselves. Right. Which in Heaney's case was yeah, exactly I mean, it's that. Just a, the, you can't, you can't argue that away. of being treated poorly, so you treat poorly back. This was an incident of somebody, again, not satisfied with... Just being a good person, it's we must have the attention. Mm-hmm. We we you must look at us and, and and see how wonderful we are. And I'm also now in the same vein of trying not to, you know, treat him that way. I can I can see where some of this gets rooted in our lives are so crappy because I can't imagine they had a wonderful life. Probably living in a trailer somewhere. No, no, some... actually, they they were fairly fairly affluent, if I recall really? correctly. They were, yes, kind of middle class, nice yeah. place. Oh yeah, absolutely nice place. See, but, there goes well, blows he, my theory. He, he built he built the balloon for God's sakes, you know. And it, the dang old thing is probably as big as this room. It was so like a weather side industrious. Room. Yeah, absolutely, very much so. 
But which makes which you know that's like Arnold. You know the, the reason that his traitorousness was so bad is because of what came before that. Right, Same he was such here. a patriot. Because I was willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, thinking you know my life is so bad, and the Although only it, thing he has yeah. as a way out is what nope. he sees yeah. on reality TV. Yeah. No. It, it's it's definitely it's, that. It is. I'm looking enough. for my 15 minutes. It's effect. never enough until I'm famous. That's exactly it. Never enough. Well, I think, well, I, I want, I think I want the go, big payday yeah. of being on reality TV. But I think very few people are are truly wired that way. I think what leads somebody... Now, I'm not saying this is necessarily true for him, but I think in general, you are presented with a culture that says what is right and wrong that leads you to that. Yeah, and, yeah, and I wonder I mean, myself how much yeah. of how much of his brokenness is his own fault or that which led him to that. That is a very good question. Well, it is the question. Yeah, uh, it's a, it is the question of justice and mercy. That's correct. That's it. Exactly you know, right. You can't have one. You cannot in a functional society have either all mercy or all justice. You have to balance the That's two. Exactly right. Uh, and the church is that way. Yeah, every, Obviously, every case deserves. It, 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 we ruled upon based on the criteria that right. that has been, but it has been agreed to by society. Right. From a secular perspective, we probably uh, tend more towards the justice side of that equation. From the church perspective, we we tend more towards the mercy side. That is, we that should. is very well put. That is exactly correct because uh, society sees it. As a self-protection mode in many respects, yes. uh, especially when we're talking criminal acts. Well, uh, and the church sees it as medicinal, so it's an entirely different approach. Exactly, that's correct. It's uh, mercy it's, is medicinal, justice is corrective. That's right. That, that, that's uh, whereas, in, in, in as far as the society is concerned, it's really about neither. It's about protectiveness, and it's about vengeance. Yes, and that's uh, and I'm not sure how civilized either of those. I, I understand protectiveness. I get that. Vengeance. I well, protectiveness not. often is expressed as vengeance. That's so. correct. That's right. Yeah, it's very dense. Which is sad. Yeah, un- un- unfortunate. But the predatory should be separated. Oh, absolutely. Well, absolutely. Yeah, we're not doubting that protection is a necessity. Yeah. It's uh, often just expressed in anger. Yeah. Which comes out as vengeance, which is again understandable. I get that. I'm not condemning that either. Uh, but yeah, uh, wow, such a short quote and. We ran with that, yeah. as we often do. Yes. Twenty-six minutes, so so oh, far. Right. So, I, right, so I, you I, get two minutes, and I get two minutes. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, want to, I want to surrender my time, as they would say uh, on the floor of Congress. Yes, yeah. How do they say? That? I, I cede my time back to the speaker, or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, parliamentary procedure. So yeah. I think that means we turn it over to Francis here. Yes. All right. Well, you know, uh, I'm going uh, a little bit back in time for my actually. I'm going to Socrates, which. He's oh, just a little bit back in time. A bit, a bit. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, he, so great. Well, I, I, I really love it. I really love. Uh, I mean, of course, it's all it's all it's all Plato. Thank you, Bill. But it, it really is really really good. And you probably saw this as you all were researching as well. But the, uh, here's the quotation: "The greatest way to live with honor in this world is to be what we pretend to be." Ooh. Let me read it again. The greatest way to live with honor in this world is to be what we pretend to be. Because we all we see ourselves as more than what we possibly are. Psychologically, they call that, this is what, and I will freely admit to this, when we did our evaluation uh, for the diaconate, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell you all the, the things that are wrong with you. And as he's going through this, you're thinking, oh my God, they're never going to let us in. Why don't you just tell me I'm out right now? Why do I have to sit here and endure <laughs> you, you know, going through all this? Uh, but they call it faking to the good. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's, and that's right. Is uh, is to, because we all, we're, as since we are writing out the, our, the script of our own lives, essentially. To a large degree, to, yes. Yeah, we're writing the screenplay as we live it. Uh, therefore, we are the heroes of our own story. We're casting ourselves yes. as that, always. Even the villains. Yes, nobody gets up thinking, I'm going to be evil today. That's exactly right. They think I'm going to save the world from itself. Yeah. That's right. Even Victor Von Doom. Yes. Uh, so we have... Yes, the Thanos thought he was saving the universe. Well, that's, well, that's what made him a good villain, as opposed to a, a ridiculous villain. So Yes. But uh, we have a tendency to, when we say pretend to be, we, we always paint ourselves... Bigger, stronger, faster, yeah. and smarter yeah. than we really are. So more virtuous, more, more virtuous. That's correct. And we don't always. And the only reason I will say this, uh, in our best moments, we do. But it, it, over time, over time. Well, not yeah. even over time, because there are some people that do the exact opposite. That see themselves in the worst possible light. Well, and they they. Yeah. Yeah, they struggle with that image because it I, either because they do think that they are better than that deep down, but they can't break free of what they see, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or they've just been beat down by you know parents, husbands, wives, circumstances. So victimology would be well, the... but I well, I, let's be careful using that because sometimes victimology is a true thing. Sometimes you can be victimized. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Into the circumstances that you... Because you don't have any tools to respond to that victimization any other way. Sure. Well, you so, may have no control either. I mean... Well, as far as being uh, victimized, but you're... But you, as far as having the tools, that's how you respond to it. And that's always your choice. But sometimes you, you don't know that there's another way. So, you know, your choice is only within what you're knowledge is possible to do mm-hmm. but so i wouldn't say always but because there are some people that that a great number of people you know mental health issues would take you down that road well i mean there's a great quotation in the movie wide earth that i love that uh, is given by doc holiday uh he tells it to, to uh, it's uh, dennis quaid says it to uh, kevin costner's wide earth he says why for some people this old world is just never going to be right and that's exactly what you're talking about here is that is similar this, to that quote about Johnny Ringo uh, why does he hurt people because he's got a great big, big hole, hole inside, inside of him that's correct there's something there's something wrong with him you can never steal enough or kill, kill enough, enough or, or hurt him or fill it that's yep. exactly right so that but those are <coughs> by definition aberrations that I think that implies that they ha- don't happen as often as they do I think the aberrations well, are far more common than yeah, that's right. than they ought to be. Obviously, well, yeah. There's that ought word that we're talking about here, yeah. uh, and, and you're and you're absolutely right that we don't always pretend to be what we aren't. I think of it this way. This is the quote that I thought of when you read yours. Yeah. Be the person your dog thinks you are. I've heard that a lot lately. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because your dog thinks you're the greatest thing in the world, uh-huh. and that's what you are. And that's what Socrates is, it's what Socrates is saying: is yeah. that yeah, uh, if you want to be honorable, be that which you're pretending to be, to be this 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 mm-hmm. perfect hero for whatever reason. Now, not not to say everybody pretends to do that, as you say, but isn't that what we would want, even if we can't? Well, and I think that 
extreme cases aside, I think even those that that see themselves in such a negative light, yeah, um, because they either because they're broken or they think they're broken, they've or, been conditioned, or they've been conditioned to. They wish it weren't so. Sure, and that's and uh, that's maybe the the part that the pretend, but they don't. They they are not even able to pretend. That's right. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it should be the way he should be. Yeah, the way he. Yeah. That's that's the intention of of the way that is. Yeah, maybe pretend is again. You know, not to correct somebody as great as Socrates. Yeah, but you know, maybe the quote should be. Uh, not who we pretend to be, but who we know we ought to be, or could be, or wish to be, or wish to be. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the thing. I, I don't think all of us pretend. I well, think yeah, a lot of us do pretend. And well, the, 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 his choice of word says something about his outlook. Yes, uh, I mean, yes, he, he, so. yeah. everybody's a fake. That's exactly right. That's what he's saying. He's saying oh, he, well, he sees everyone as a fraud. I took that differently. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because See, we went with the modern scientific approach of women. Well, no, no, no. I mean, what you just said about uh, saying something about him, I took that as um, pretend to be as in uh, more of uh, no, pretend, as in be the person who you know you could be in a more of a motivational way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he, he's coming at it from a very, uh, it sounds like. From a very well, without the context of the text around it, who that's knows? correct. I mean, we just have the see that could be your context. That you're very much so. Out. That's right. It, it is logical, but then again, yours is not illogical. So, so yeah. I mean, you you could go either way. That's right. I, I think yeah. So that that's that's a really good quote. I, I, I like thought that. so too. I, I really like that, and and I think yeah. I, there's a lot to what he's saying there. I mean, again, he's as usual. He's, he's very calling out. It's very pregnant. There's more, yeah, a lot of stuff that he's more there. out there. He's he's calling out his fellow humans for being frauds. No, to a degree, exactly. Saying well, that even if it's saying that it is, there is no honor by being that yeah. by pretending. Yeah, when honor, you are not. Honor, yeah, be honorable. If you want to be honorable, stop pretending, but be the person you've been pretending to be. That's right. Be yeah. genuine. And I think it, but you can even more take it as genuine, though. Go ahead. Well, I think you can even take it because you, because I think you guys are taking it as he's saying it as, as a slam. And to take that from the motivational side, it could be, look, you're better than you think you are. Yeah, yeah. Be that. Right. You know, you don't have to pretend. You can make yourself because again, we're thinking thinking about the Greeks. You know, in this period of time. You know, we're not quite to the Stoics of Marcus the real Marcus Aurelius, not the one we just had here last episode. But you're in a time where where this sort of of humanistic bettering is mm-hmm. is, is certainly it's in its ascendancy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, the uh, philosophy was the, these are the heights of philosophy, whereas it is question about the love of wisdom and the bettering of the human person. Right, and that's kind of and Socrates was famous for that, but he also suffered no fools. Right, yeah. which is kind of that's why I'm kind of read it the way I'm reading it is like well he is he is he's smacking he, he's well you can out. say that and suffer no fools at the same time they're well, not mutually yeah. exclusive which of course is the beauty of it yeah it, it can be taken all every which way yeah. you used a great word there humanistic <clears throat> that that's yeah I mean that's the core of it is is a humanistic outlook about others rather than a deterministic. Or utilitarian outlook about others. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, very much it's so. humanist in the way that Francis uses it in his yeah. description. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, as in Thomas More's humanism, Erasmus's humanism. That which, which is all tied back to... Which is all... Yeah, talk, it it has has those Greek roots. That's where it comes from. Yeah, it's, it's very Aristotelian in, in, in many ways. Aquinas would love this. Oh, absolutely. That's right. It's I say that with great hubris because, you know... To think that we could come up with anything that Thomas Aquinas would love is is a is a bit of a well. Yeah, I, 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 I would, of, he, uh, he's he's another one of those guys you'd love to sit and have a beer with. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, and more would be the same way too, because uh, and he and he would be the life of the party because he was just you know joke after joke after joke. That's just what we know of him. Which is funny because you know the only experience that modern people are going to have of somebody like Moore is going to be if they've seen the old movie or the play or whatever but you know because that's somebody bringing life he was a very much a a dour kind of man in that so it's kind of hard it's still kind of hard to think he was always under the shadow in that in those yeah yeah basically his his death at the end foreshadows the entire everything and that was that's to do a disservice to him because it, but it, it's not not that it's untrue. It's just compressed within right. within a two hour period. Uh, whereas if you read his writings, which are enormous, uh, you can see you get a much better picture of the man, flaws and all too. Yeah. Uh, because he was a product of his time, uh, and sometimes that's not a good thing. Uh, you know, um, my current pastor uh, is a huge, um, not hater, but he is a huge non fan. Of Moore and John Fisher, really? Oh my goodness! I have Which to... is ironic, considering our one of our two parishes is Saint Thomas More. Ouch! I'll have to be careful what I say around him then. Well, because uh, their approaches to uh, non-Catholics before That's Henry right. went crazy uh, was very stern. It was uh, uh, and it, very brutal. It and, was. Uh, it was well at that time. That but it would have been normal. Well, yeah, it's correct. It was it was seen as uh, sedition, right. uh, and it was seen as an attempt to overthrow the legitimate authority, which in this case, church and state were linked together. That's why the and that's the, why Henry was able to get away with what he did. Well, that's yeah, correct. I mean, and you know, authority stems from his relationship to the church. Well, yeah, at this at this at the beginning, at this time, at, at the beginning, point it does. Yeah. But anyway, later, it becomes goes, the church's authority stems with it from it from the. From its relationship with him, with him. Well, that's yeah. right, and which is, of course, the, the, the point of flipping the, it all the, over. the point of flipping it all around. But it goes back to that great line from Pulp Fiction: "You know, we're going to get medieval on your ass." That's there's a reason that statement resonates us, and it's still a quotation that we think of today. It was one of those standout pluck quote, pull quotes from that movie, is because that's exactly at it. Man for All Seasons, the play, speaks of it. It says, we're dealing in a, with an age less fastidious than we live in now. That was, you know, that was, they were brutes. They were, un, in those ways, that society was very uncivilized. Unforgiving. Uh, no, both. Yeah. Both. Yeah, yeah. well, it's un, unforgiving led it to being Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, very, very much so. So that, that's, uh, uh, I think Conformity it, was everything. Well, it's right because if not, you would be killed, uh, and that's, that is that is the, that is the society in which they lived, and therefore not the uh, not the individual sin. It's a corporate sin that they all have, an original sin, if you will, of that time. But we've gone a little far afield. Well, no, well, not, not necessarily. Really. Uh, you know, although I'm not a huge fan of the the concept of corporate sin, but uh, mainly because it's generally ascribed to. Um, not 
and I'm going to use the word individual here in a very uh, uh, incorrect way, but I can't think of another way to, to phrase this. But, you know, it's usually used in individual instances. Yeah. That's and maybe right. that's redundant, but in instances of uh, times when, when lots of people do the same or similar things. Uh, like we would ascribe corporate sin to the people of Germany in 19, of the 1940s. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, to the South. Uh, uh, That's uh, another one, yes. The South of... Which we, uh, and I don't like the term because you're right, because we as Catholics just, just uh, define sin very narrowly and very specifically. And that definition does not support the way it's being used right. in the term corporate sin. Yeah. Uh, corporate evil, see, we just don't have a good term for that. Yeah. Uh, it, it gets bandied well, about you, a lot. How do you come up with a decent clinical phrase for... You know, a whole bunch of people damn lost their mind. Well, that's yeah. correct. And that's, because that's what we're talking about. And that's, that we're trying to describe something that is unfathomable in many ways, yeah. and yet was very real. You know, yeah. that, you there, know, there is a collective guilt to it. Well, that's, that's, and that's what. But you're right. It, it's, 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 but so, it's, it's a collect, it's a collective guilt. But when you dig down, it's a collective uh, of individuals. Guilt in their in their own particular way. Well, yeah, a critical mass of individuals at that time yeah. believed yeah. erroneously, and I'm being kind, or with that. were not brave enough to stand up. Because sometimes, you know, sin is not being brave enough to stand Some, up to what's wrong. Sometimes, yeah. but in certain times, not and eras, and places, that's not really. It depends on where you're at on the continuum when that eventually re- reaches a tipping point yeah. because it does because eventually when by the time the abolitionist movement comes along there is a voice out there for this movement. You could argue at the time of the Civil War certainly with the things that have gone on in Europe with you know we talked about in the last episode with Wilberforce ending the slave trade right. and all of that that we had reached that tipping point so that anybody who was still pro-slavery had reached the point of you are you are sinning because you are not standing up to you what you that should know is wrong. In other words, history has turned and you're now on the wrong side. Yes, and, and I the think same that's thing what you're talking the, about here. with yeah. you know Hitler and the extermination of the 13 million, the six million Jews, and the seven million of the rest of them. That how could you not know yeah. that rounding people up, there, there's and a, killing them, there's is a wrong. brokenness to that collective guilt. Yeah, their human spirit had to be broken first. There's a lot to that, yes. And then you're, yes, you're yeah, really, as you're, far as the majority, well, yeah, there's, there's a reason broken, for the not as in I will torture it out of you to break you. It is a a, and I don't even like the word weakness, but it is a. Well, they've uh, been worn down to accept yeah, it in many exactly. cases. Right. Uh, there's a there's a moral piece that is missing. Yeah, I, I'm trying they to express became, something they that we really so inured to the hatred that it became the natural state. For the younger people, well, they were conditioned then. Conditioned. That's that's a that's a very good word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can be conditioned into a into a broken state. Correct. And then, yeah. well, and that's essentially what happened so, in Germany. They were southern Southern society yeah. up to the Civil yeah. War yeah. was had con- had had conditioned itself state. to even those who did not own slaves all believed it was the right thing to do, and they were, or at least permissible. Permissible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And oh, for some it was right because they based it on on religious reasons in many cases. Well, that's correct. Well, Horribly, the, the, and, so. and, you know, we have because for every objection, somebody with power and authority comes up with a logical workaround 
well, they're not truly human. They're yeah. two-thirds of a human. That's right. See, that's so the key. he who controls information controls the world. We know that. Yeah. That's, it goes back to it that goes back to dignity. It goes back to that relationship honors about what happens with other how you treat other people. That's right. That continual, right. Con, you, you can condition your uh, us as, as a species to disregard that. Yeah. And that is some scary to, stuff. Yeah. You can because those are two examples right there. Uh, in our in, in our collective memory in, our, in yeah. the last four generations, uh, uh, we did that, and we saw the results. You know, the millions in bondage, the millions that were exterminated, because somebody or some many somebodies were able to impose their will upon the majority. They impose in a, their brokenness on the rest of us. Well, you know, I would argue that they're, they're, any imposing of one person's will upon another, whether that's a brokenness or not, is dishonorable. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree, I mean, there are, there are degrees of this. Don't get me wrong. This is not a black and white, either or kind of a situation. Because even if I am truly honorable, there's only so far that I can go with trying to persuade you before I, before I stop being honorable. And, and, and then I must impose my will. Well, yeah. Bonaparte was famous for that. I mean, he, in the end, you know, he talked about the only thing that mattered was his will. Yes. Because I will save France. And, and it's, that's megalomania, of course. Yeah. Yes. Well, I am the state, King Henry the Fourteenth. Uh, Louis. Louis the Fourteenth. Louis. 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 Sorry. Louis. Louis. Henry, I meant Louis the Fourteenth. Yes, I am the state. That's right. Um, would you uh, just His, his was a there. little bit... Broader than that, though it was was more of an a uh, which we have talked to death on that about how, but in uh, practical that, that terms was, he was right. He was, but that was there. That was he's also making comment on that. This is our system of government, That's, right? This is, and but it's it an expression well. of how that imposing of one's will, yeah, for what he what you believe is the betterment of others. Sure, absolutely, uh, it's divine it, right is his kind, you know. Yeah, it, it is, has gone too far. Yeah, it, but it, they would not have recognized it as such then because no, that's right. the way the world worked. Right, yeah. They would have seen it was a good thing, and many of them did, because he takes care of us. You know, he is, God appointed him to be our God on earth. That's, that you, was how they well, used it. He was the Sun King. That's right, that's right. Um, you know, this leads me to, to, to ponder. Every generation has a set of beliefs, right? Okay. That are the relative underpinnings of society. And I'm, I'm very generalized concern, you know, speaking here in, uh, in a very generalized way. Continue. Um, almost every generation has a following generation that comes along that tries to upset the apple cart. <coughs> Redefine it. Change it. For whatever reason. Kick it out. Whether they, adapt it. Whatever. Whether they want to roll back excesses. Or whether or not they want to go beyond into what the prior generation would call excesses. Mm -hmm. Each generation has to reinvent the philosophy of their own selves. So, (coughs) in relation to what went before. Right. So, who is the more honorable? Those that are trying to upend the apple cart? Or those who are trying to, to, to hang on to the apple cart? So what comes to mind is you know a lot of the strife we see today uh, between older generations. It's what I would call Gen X and Boomers. Yeah. Although I hate to be associated with Boomers in yes. any way. Uh, I only do so mainly <coughs> because they're older than us, uh, and there's just there is a generational gap. 
Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you know, with the millennials and the Gen Z right. on the other side, and how the millennials and the Gen Z Gen Z are trying to uh, redefine certain aspects of morality and yes. what is right and wrong. Correct. Now, our generation did the same thing. Don't you question the science? That's right. Don't you question the science? There are thirty-seven yes. genders. That's science. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was fifty-seven. I thought it was thirty-seven. Who knows? Um, I've never seen a list of names for the genders, though, of those 37 Uh, genders. I've never seen the list, yeah. Um, But still, though, you know, when our generation came came along and we were coming of age in the 1980s, we pushed back against the excesses of our older brothers and sisters. Now, granted, you don't have older brothers and sisters, but I do. Well, I mean... They are boomers. Aunts and uncles, yeah. Yeah, uh, and our aunts and uncles and our parents that were the flower children and the, the, you know, the druggy generation of the 60s and 70s. Uh Uh And what we did was we pushed... Instead of pushing that farther out, we pulled back. We became more traditionalist. Yes, and that's common. There's a, there's a statement, and I can I wish I could give you the exact quotation, but it's basically like every every son is is destined to embrace the ideals of his grandfather because they are in opposition to that to his of his parents. father. Yes. So well, I call it the boomerang effect. Yeah, and that's it's it's, it's been talked about quite a bit, uh, and there's a lot because. And there's and there's a pendulum that goes. Boomerang is a very good example too, because you go from an authoritarian generation to a far more liberal, small small L generation, less, and then back. And I would call it less authoritarian, but that, again, this is just my perspective. Yeah. Uh, and how I view things, and I recognize that not everybody will view it that way. As not so much authoritarian, because to me that implies punishment. Right. Yeah. yeah that's not the best. I word. would call it order. Establishment. Well, I just call it order and chaos. Oh, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go Vorlon and shadows here. If you want to go that, that right. respect, yeah. But in other words, for each generation that is uh, warlock and the magus, if you want to go yeah, really if, old school with Jim Starlin, yeah, that is very author. That is very much the generation that is order is is doomed or fated to produce a generation that is reactive and therefore. More into chaos, and then the pendulum swings back mm-hmm. and forth and back and forth throughout eternity. Uh, well, yeah, I think so. I think that's that's because I mean, you look at the excesses of the nineteen twenties. Yeah. Look at what that produced into the thirties and during the depression. In the depression, well, and look at it. it if, since we were talking about Nazi Germany, look at what happened in Nazi Germany in the twenties with the chaos. In the twenties here in America, were very much a chaotic time as well. Even though we considered it good times, yeah, it was they were prosperous chaotic. for us. They were, they were. Uh, yes, not for them. But you're right. They were. There was a. And then the 30s with the you know, well, let's look to law and order and rules and the government to to put it together all these programs to save us. And you could use that same. You could use that description for both Nazi Germany and the United States. You could, because both use the same tools to different effects. And, yeah, and yet they were both products of a generation that was essentially lost. Yes. Uh, to use the Hemingway term, that uh, they had been through World War One and seen this enormous upending of everything that went before because of that war. So, which leads me to the question of: Are we victims of our circumstances, or is this inherent to no matter is it inherent no matter what? 
Because you can look in all those cases, the Depression, uh, World War One, World War Two, and uh, the the in the fifties and the sixties, and each each decade has its own unique unique milieu. It has word. its own character. Correct. It's, and, and, and that it's distinctive for certain things. Is is that where's the, where's the chicken? Where's the egg? Is is that is the time? Are the times in society what creates the philosophy and understanding, or is the philosophy and understanding that creates the times? It's both. It's both and. Yeah, there's a it's good Catholic answer. answers. It's, it's both answer. and. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and a column A, little column B. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, and then next time it's a little column B, and then a little column A. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's both cyclical and linear because it's linear in that it never ends. That's right. You never yeah. truly get around back to where you started oh, yeah. until you have destroyed the civilization and you have to start over completely. Yeah. So because there is no, so. From the Roman Republic to where we are today, mm-hmm. uh, it is linear, but it is also a linear expression of cycles to where those civilizations grew and collapsed and then something replaced it and then grew and collapsed and something replaced it and so, and so on. History's a corkscrew. Oh, perfect. It's the double helix. Yeah, exactly. That's That was what the first thing I thought of when you said that was uh, it, it is a double helix, yes. Well, like it said in Battlestar Galactica, all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Yes. That's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a rephrasing of that very thing. That human nature is such we are condemned to follow this endless cycle forward into time until we are no more. I wouldn't necessarily call it condemned. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm using that word, but... I look at it as this way. But uh, if we have no choice over that, then why? So then there is a limitation, a, a hard stop, to where humanity can go. Um, we're, never, you, we're, never, we're not going to be able to break the cycle. We're fated. Even no matter how, how far along we get... In, into infinity, essentially. Yeah, we're, we're eventually going to cataclysm ourselves back around into a circle. And just destroy and, it. And there's a hard stop. And we will not, bring about we're never going own. to break out of the out of the court. So group. you're suggesting that inevitably we will create our own KT event, reset the biological clock, and evolution I'm starts all over again. Boundary where the iridium is in the geological layer is that the KT? Uh, that, that's the KT event is 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 sixty six million years ago when right. the asteroid exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's yeah, what yeah, we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. Exactly, and that's where uh, ninety only geeks would know. That's that. right. Well, yes. but, but if you say ninety plus you know, percent of all the species on the planet went extinct, yeah, based on that, and yet we and, and civilization arose from that as. You know, then all of a sudden, primates were able to have what there, they took. There was to, a limitation to, we to were able where to rise. the dinosaurs can go, so they had to go to be taken over by mammals. Well, that but implies it, that the meteorite, the, the meteor that hit was was. Uh, it, I'm not saying it wasn't. Was either divinely or there was an destined for there was an intelligent word. design. However, you wish to put it, yes. But I just uh, you're well. There could have been an alien, you know, that was. Fired that at the Earth because it was sitting in the way of his view. Yes, yes. And you know, Marv, Marvin the Martian could have decided, eh, "You gotta go. You gotta go." Dinosaurs, you know. But I think that it's less of a a thing that is. 
it, to me, that's a very negative way of, of putting it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's but you, to me, it's it's part of our broken nature in the sense that um, it's part of that aspiring to be the ideal. And unfortunately, that ideal is always in flux from generation to generation, society to society, for the most part. Um, and maybe that's because there isn't enough of a faith aspect to those things. Right. We have, not, we, we have a hard time breaking out of our nature. Yes, that's that's my main point. We're, that's, that's, that's we're not going to break out of our nature. You say Battlestar Galactica, this has all happened before, it will all happen again. That means that no matter how much we implore ourselves to stop pretending, there's a limit to we cannot our stop. We uh, our fallen nature, to use the word, is inescapable. And that therefore, is true. there is no no um, ultimate redemption. Uh, no mm. um, salvation. Yeah, that's what I'm talking there's about. There's no salvation in ourselves. That is correct. Well, yes, there is no salvation that comes oh, from no. us. Oh no, the heathen just went Catholic on you. That's well, that's exactly right. Well, you know, uh, uh, you've been hanging out with us for a long time. <laughs> our fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in, in ourselves. ourselves. And that is exactly what he's talking about. And that's what we're talking about. And I always say humans are not perfectible creatures. That's correct. But that that seems to be this pervasive part of our milieu today is oh well, if we were just better, if Did we you, if we just did this. And if you don't move forward with me, you're some kind of troglodyte hater. It's like, yes, that's wonderful. We should move forward, but there are limits. Well, there's a hard stop. We we can't. I think the, the hard stop, if I'm if I understand one that you're describing, is the end of the fall of the civilization. I like to view it as this, uh, in that even though I'm the one who described that corkscrew that you so aptly gave the 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 visage for um yeah it's cyclical and for the most part i think it has been cyclical towards the positive throughout human history yeah that's we, correct we because if you look forward, at it over time advance yeah very much so yeah and, and not I, just and I say positive yeah i don't mean techno technological i mean an understanding of people yes. in our relationship to one another that's yes. right human nature yes. we are Better at again, I, I not to pummel the expired equine. Right, we are better at the inherent dignity of the human person thing than we have ever been before. Yes, yes. But, like this moment is the most wonderful moment in history, but, but there's no salvation in ourselves. And the thing that that causes this cycle is this, I think. Uh, and I don't know how much this has to do with honor. <laughs> Well, because but, we, we implore ourselves yeah, 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 to yeah. stop pretending. But I think the thing that is the issue is that, and this is where I see especially where we are today, um, is that you know we are because we grow up in a certain set of conditions, that seems to be the norm. And because it's all we've ever known, we think that's all that's ever been. Yeah. That's how we think when we're young. That's how we thought when we were young. Yeah. I, I know it is. And so when we rebel against that, again, we go back to what we, th- you know, we unthinkingly realize is what our grandparents thought and try to make things better. We're not often fixing things because often we do it out of context. We try and fix things, but because we don't 
often respect what has gone before, that's where the spiral uh, yeah. spiral down to a collapse happens for us to then start the whole thing over again. Um, but I think it comes out of an honest attempt to fix what we see as broken. We saw stuff that we thought was broken and we tried to fix it. And we ended up building a next generation of kids that, and not us three specifically, because none of us would have ever handed out participation trophies to our kids. We talked about that in an earlier show prep. But we ended up creating a generation that, because of our experiences, where we were pretty much left to our own devices, we kind of became helicopter parents as a generation. Yeah. You know, the tail end of the baby boomers and the, and the early Gen Xers. We became the helicopter parents that created... We wanted to fill the voids yes. that, that were part of our early lives. Which we didn't even realize we existed. Did, yeah, we didn't realize... Because we didn't. We didn't realize there was a void, but we wanted to do better. Right, we wanted we, to do better, and we didn't realize we were doing trying to do better in a way that was not... And every generation does this, I think. Yeah. Like the the parents of the 60s and early 70s when they, you know, like, well, you know, we're not going to set any boundaries for our kids. Well, but that's what the kids want. Yeah, that's what they need. And so, you know, they how try they, to How are they going to learn safety? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, with, without, so, without healthy boundaries. Respect for others without boundaries. Exactly. So, so now we've gone to the point where, you know, this generation that we created that become, has become the millennials and the Gen Zs, where you know, for some reason a safe space is an, is an integral part of their makeup to where they think they need to be protected from ideas that they don't agree with mm-hmm. and that words are the same as physical violence microaggressions this whole idea of microaggressions my god you know our entire childhood was not microaggressions macroaggressions you know that was we how we managed to get by we managed to get by we'll you know right. we, we never rode a bike with a helmet or knee pads yeah. or anything like that that's still yeah, we just never viewed words as anything more than Ideas. Yes, I mean, that's an insult or whatever, you know. But we live by sticks and stones could break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, we, we also we did get that. pissed off and angry and hurt. Yeah, you but know, we got over hurt. it. You can get over it. You don't view words as something that then requires retaliation. Legislative right. retaliation, in particular, corporate retaliation, Cor- or, corporate or violent retaliation, retaliation. or violent retaliation. retaliation. And that's not to say that that kind of stuff didn't happen because I mean, there's plenty of violence. And plenty of backlash always against any particular... Because it just depends on which group is in ascendancy at any particular time and place. Because authoritarians, for lack of a better term, even though I, I, I prefer... Or say that the avatars of order might be in ascendancy over here, but at the same time, the avatars of chaos might be in ascendancy over here and, you know, just 10 miles away. Yeah, so we have to get to our bourbon. Yeah, we break. do. We do. We're, so we're let's do the time. bourbon break. I know Martin's over here going, you know, holding we're, up the We're line. at the hour mark without even Robert getting a chance to do this. I know. Part. I haven't even summed anything up yet. Um, so you get five minutes. So I get five minutes, yes. Yeah. So that, that, that that's my job. But you've done a wonderful job so far with working these two together. So I don't think it'll be... Well, I'm trying. Well, to me, this is a fact. I didn't intend this to be such a, a it, deep... We, we went super crazy with quotes we picked ten minutes ago. Yeah. But again, not you know we talk about Gen X is the greatest generation because obviously it's us. So of course we're going to think because everybody thinks their generation is the greatest generation. But this is what I think is the hallmark of our generation 
and maybe it's just our slice of our generation, certainly not everybody in our generation could do this, is the ability to explore ideas and to do it dispassionately in the sense that we can examine it from all sides, yet passionately in mm-hmm. the sense that we can see what is both good and bad and what is right and wrong and yeah. try and work something out that is usable. There, we've been through so much, there's a resilience that we understand Yeah, that means, okay, we can kick an idea around without disaster. Right. And, yeah, I can't say for sure that I can point to any particular moment in our in our growing up, in our makeup, in our in our, even in our time at Bellarmine. It was uh, everything. I mean, it's... But it, it's... Yeah, but you know, it, it just created... It was just a perfect storm of, of circumstances yeah, that I created mean, us. You're eight years old and both Vietnam and Watergate are on TV. Yeah. Uh, not only that... I mean, for people who are young, Watergate was a cataclysm. It was. Yes. At the time. The well, was, for me, the biggest cataclysm was that it preempted my damn... Saturday morning yeah. cartoons. But we, we sat there while the government ripped itself apart. Yeah. We And then we're, Vietnam's on there. And then, boom, we grow up. And something we always had so much faith in, in the space program, in science and all that, explodes, you know, 30 seconds after the Literally launch, in our faces. In yeah. our faces. And it's just, it, just shock after shock after shock all the way... You know, up through uh, 9-11. 9-11. But you know what? What I find interesting about all... Because all of what you're saying is absolutely true. At least for myself, and maybe it's just because of the stuff that I was interested in, I always saw the future as full of possibilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even though I had my own issues growing up, you know, Big believer and, and, and reader of sci-fi and all of that. You know, Star Trek was obviously very formative, incredibly formative for this guy over here. Yeah. Well, that's correct. Well, I mean, my, yeah, my essential positivity sure. was yes. formed with that. Yes, your your essential optimism about life is very Roddenberryan. Yeah, right. Because we we saw that, that you know, the future could be so great. I think it's good. Yeah. What was that? Roddenberryan. Yeah, Roddenberry. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah, I believe. Yeah. It, it, well, it it it's kind of the rejection of what you said earlier that mankind is not perfectible Roddenberry is Roddenberryisms would say that is not true we are but you know what I don't but oddly enough or enough to matter let's just no, yeah you know, well right. the way he viewed it though was I think he really thought that the people were perfectible in that sense because you know I think our reaction to uh, the especially the neutral zone uh, mm-hmm. which was the last episode of season one of the right. next generation yep it was just so in your face. Uh, we reject everything that what we saw was good in our society. Mm-hmm. You know, that's right. It was you know not that money is good, but that it's a tool that can be used for good. Yeah, uh, and, it t- and it took away these essential underpinnings, but it didn't put anything back in its exactly. place. Exactly, that's the thing. That's right. It was it was it was like well, we, we're going to burn the ha- burn the the outhouse down without installing plumbing. To use that favorite quote of yours, because yes. yes. they didn't talk about the plumbing that supposedly. Other than oh, it was great, but it, yeah, it, they didn't. How go do you for better it. yourself? How, yeah, exactly. It made no sense. How uh, is you, the captain of the starship, going out and poking your nose where it doesn't belong in other people's business? Mm-hmm. Essentially, bettering yourself. How is the guy who had to spend sixteen hours a day building this death trap 
Because the thing's always on the verge of exploding. How is that bettering him? You know, so yeah, there, there was... Yeah, there's... There yeah, all, I, I don't of, see the, the, the guy who swept up after shift at, uh, what is it called, uh, Utopia Planitia. Planitia yeah. yeah uh-huh. That's not, he's not better. You're not, unless you pay, no one's going to do that. Right, what does he get out of that? Because that's part and parcel of... I mean, you got to unclog the toilet sometime. You know, well, he's trying to say we, we've evolved beyond that. They've said that several times. It's not possible. Yeah. And, well, it, maybe it's and maybe possible. it is, but it's not in the finite. But who gets? To, who decides that? You know. You know what? I'm gonna be the best damn janitor there ever was. Yeah. Well, maybe. But in a society where all wants and needs are taken care of, everybody should be an intellectual. Is seems to be the you know presumption. Yeah. So that's a, not a possible. scientist. Yeah, because we're not all we're just simply not we're all just not wired that way. We're not, yeah, we're not we're not all capable yeah, there, of that. There's a faulty presumption at yeah. the core well, of not necessarily scientists, but artists. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. honestly, I think they, they tend more to those, you know, well, the the artsy fartsy kind of a thing, but the artsy fartsy guy is not building that starship. That's right. And to to say that there is a uniformity of Humanity, a uniformity of human design, of desire and capabilities, and capabilities. That's the huge. That is that is actually in many respects it's it's a sin against the sanctity of diversity. Yeah, because they're saying because of our diversity we are strong, but yet this economic system. Where's the diversity? That's right. There's. It's not that everybody is thinking the same way, uh, which goes back. Yeah, I mean, Roddenberryism essentially assumes that there's no such thing as a blue collar person anymore. That's Somebody right. who just wants to do a job, do it well, go home and have a beer. That's right. correct. Because there's so those those wrong were the, with those that. were the benighted in that utopian. Yeah, it's like uh, that doesn't exist anymore. But we're there is great honor in being that guy. Yeah, that is exactly. correct. Because you know what? If I need my toilet unclogged, to use your example, I really need that guy. You know, that's right. You need the Creasel Brothers. Come and cl- fix your toilet. Yeah, somebody's you know, got to do that. At least Mario and Luigi. I don't know. You know, somebody's got to come and do. And you know, if there's if I got shit coming out of the shitter in the wrong direction, <laughs> I want that stuff fixed. Shitter's full. That's yeah, shitter's full. Yeah, so you want Merry Christmas. So <laughs> Merry Christmas. Shitter's and there's full. honor in that. You know, and yes, yeah, sorry, because Tommy Creasel drives a bigger Mercedes than Niles Crane does. Well, so... All right, all right, all right. Anyways, it's, we can keep awesome. going on that. It's awesome, awesome. All right, so Again, let's do our bourbon break. Yeah. 70 minutes without even letting Robert do his quote, so let's let's do it, brother. All right, so bourbon break first. So we are uh, doing our second new bourbon of the day, which for us is, uh, you know, we do all of our episodes in one day. And this is... Uh, I picked both of these up yesterday at Kroger's. This was normally, I think, like a $45 bottle. I got it for $36. It's uh, Wilderness Trail Bourbon. And it's bottled in bond, which, you know, that's we're a, seeing that plus. more and more, I've that's noticed. A plus, absolutely. Because used to be that was mainly on the low-end bottles, that that was one of the... the it was like a, yeah, they tried to make a selling point for a cheap bourbon, which, to be honest, at one time, that was a, a big deal. But bottled in bond seems to be a bigger thing lately. I've seen a lot of mm-hmm. things I would consider higher-end. It's a very weeded bourbon. It's very yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so this is Wilderness Trail Small Batch. Uh, like I said, bottom boss. I mean, makes it hundred proof. Um, yeah, it's good it's color, good rich, kind of sweet and creamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so creamy—that's a good way to put it. I yeah. saw it online compared to creme brulee. 
Mm. So it has sort of that cooked sugar uh, sweetness to it, and then a little creamy underneath. Uh-huh. And uh, um, got a long nice. finish, is is the way you yeah. put it earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's finish. it's an ex- it's some bourbons are a momentary experience. Doesn't make them bad by any stretch. Uh, so like the uh, Elijah Craig that I've become very fond of. There's what I call that explosion of flavor in the mm-hmm. mouth. But there's not a whole lot after that that really hangs around. There's always a little bit more than that, but it doesn't really hang around for a long time. This, you get a long-term, several-minute experience where it goes from your mouth into your stomach, and it really produces a warmth. Yes, agreed. Uh, but, it, but it's not a burn. It's not harsh. It's very mellow. Uh, this... I'm, very, this is already very, this is one of my my new favorites. This yeah, is a great book. Uh, the the reviews online kind of say, well, it's still a little young yet. They're young still as need, in, they still need to work on it just a touch, kind of mellow it out, just to refine the flavors just a maybe. bit. Maybe I, I honestly, I think uh, the the I think it's pretty mellow as it is, but yeah. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, yeah, you're right. I found it uh, mellow, creamy, sweet. Um, not, not as sweet as the Long Branch, uh, I think that we had uh, at uh, at Maverick's uh, place. At Maverick's place, uh, which we look forward to having next month. Right? Is it next month? There was next month at your place. Next month is at your place. I believe we're if if we would like to, I, we might be able to. Uh, I'm sorry, we're talking about doing Boo. That's right. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about doing Boo. I have to get in touch with a professor and see about. Of course, I have to be after graduation. Right. So 13th is graduation. Right. Well, Mother's Day, graduation, all that. I mean, that's just... And Derby's the week before. Yeah, there's no way we can do anything before the third or fourth week. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we may do there and substitute that for my turn. But I have two new bourbons to try. I do have Long Branch. That right, we haven't, just, we haven't done the on show. the show. Yeah, we haven't done it on the show. Yeah. And I've got my... Uh, one I've been wanting to try, the Old Forester Statesman. Yes. It's the most expensive bourbon I've ever purchased for use on the show. Ooh, how much was it? 52. Oh. So that's, that's getting up there. Really? Then you must have gotten the, your Mictors on sale because I've seen that in the $50 range. Yeah, yeah, I got the Mictors at 42. Oh, wow, that's a good price because yeah, I was really yeah. good. It was a really good price, yeah. yeah. Um, so before we go on, though, one shout out quickly to. We just came from lunch. Yes, from BA Colonial. BA Colonial, which we learned stands for badass. Yes. Badass Colonial, a little place there on the, uh, what used to be called Colonial Gardens. Yes. An old Which school. is a great great name considering we're doing the Revolutionary War theme yeah. uh, this year yeah. from the history episodes. But uh, we enjoyed our lunch there with Marcus Aurelius very, very much. And, Good food. Uh, very much thanks to Robert for, for the suggestion and covering the bill. Well, you know, we always provide, we try to each of us provide a meal. Mm-hmm. And while this is a little bit more than, you know, we might normally do uh, on a per-episode basis, you know, I've done some where I've just cooked up a big pot of chili. So, that's, <laughs> you know, dollar-wise, it evens out eventually. Yeah. So, oh, But it was so good. It was. So it was good. Tasty. You guys had burgers that you really enjoyed. Very much so. Yes, we had the black and blue burgers. Yeah, yes. And I had a, a chicken sandwich, and I it was amazing. Just fantastic. A fried chicken sandwich. Yeah, basically, you know, the, the thing everybody wants right now is the... the the chicken sandwich, the southern style chicken sandwich, and it was terrific. Uh, hot in the inside, just right off, right out of the basket, seemed like. Yeah. Uh, and just wonderfully seasoned. Uh, the great breading, so it was tremendous flavor. Yeah, it's kitty corner to where uh, uh, Biscuit Valley used to be. Yep. 
Uh, you know, we're, Biscay Valley still does exist in Louisville, just not in this end of town. Yeah. So we, we our hearts mourn yes. for Biscay Valley Colonial Gardens. Amen. Yeah. So but yes, BA, nice, BA nice is a really nice place. Yes, yeah. that that was really good and. Uh, uh, very good service, and the young lady really appreciated hearing that everything was true. She was very sweet. She was very bubbly without being intrusive. I I appreciate she was, that. Yeah, perfection. Yeah. True yeah. perfection. Yeah, she did a good job, so we appreciate that a bunch. Yep. I don't remember her name, or we would mention No, I don't. She probably said she it. She said I'm it. horrible with names. Aaron or something like that. Is that? Okay. Something like that. I mean, it's really horrible of me to admit, but, you know, like 90% of my parishioners, I'll know their faces, but I couldn't tell you what their names are. I'm just that's because I'm yeah. so bad with names. I'm bad with names. So yeah, that's it's just a common thing, you know. Some of us, mm-hmm. you know, some some are great, and some less so. I mean, but I mean, things and people I know and should know. I I will sit and sometimes and you know forever try and figure out. Damn, what's the name? I can't remember. So not only are my knees shot and need you know do I need to go to the orthopedist to to see about getting my knees replaced eventually? I'm sure. Yeah, now I got to worry about dementia because I can't remember crap. Well, at least you can remember your quote. Quote for what? Uh, <laughs> surely he has one. Yes, we. Yes, belabored. actually, I had several. I we had belabored several. this point so for so very long, and we're running. We're I had a Roman Reagan quote that um, I was going to do, um, but since we went more uh, philosophical than uh, specific to the revolution, yeah. Because uh, this was about democ, his was about democracy. I, I like it because I just think it's one to remember. So I'm going to give it, and then I'm going to talk about something else. <laughs> democracy is worth dying for because it's the most deeply honorable form of government ever devised by man. So, great quote by <coughs> the great Reynolds Magnus. Now, the quote that I'm actually going to use to help tie everything together is by George Bernard Shaw. Okay. You know that hack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The most tragic thing in the world is a man of genius who is not a man of honor. Oh, man, that's good. Oh, yeah. So Because you could use the genius for something really bad. Well, right. Hitler's an obvious example. Well, I was going to go your other standby, yeah. Dr. Doom. Oh, very good. That's true. That's right. Because the genius who is not a man of honor, uh, especially the tragic one, almost always thinks he is. Sure. So, to harken back to our prior episode, Arnold and Tarleton both probably would have considered themselves men of honor. Because mm-hmm. they had a cause they were fighting for. And I would bet that Arnold thought he was honorable on both sides of that cause. He was honorable because he was reacting or responding to the slights that he was given. Because he was treated dishonorably in his mind... He thought that the honorable thing to do would be to go to the other side. And also to recoup his, his losses in... Yeah, in, in, the profitable thing to do. Yeah, and the profitable thing. Uh, and often the the Ooh. the horrible horribleness of that, that uh, uh, tragicness that Shaw says is linking that monetary with that pride. Uh, and I think that's very... Oh, you know what we forgot to do is give your guys quotes... Uh, Again, oh, you want to yeah, because we need to reset the table for me to, to hammer things home. All right, Calvin Coolidge. No person was ever honored for what he received. Honor has been the reward for what he gave. Yes, love it. Love Selflessness. It. Received, not gave. Or g- given, not re- Gave, not received. Gave, not got. I'm going to put it that way. Yeah. So, 
Mar- uh, uh, Francis. The greatest way to live with honor in this world is to be what we pretend to be. That's Socrates. Right. So, I like... I mean, we spent, what, an hour and 15 minutes? <laughs> Give or take. Uh, about an hour on, on those two dissecting them. And they both contain aspects of this whole idea that, you know, to be uh, a genius... Because... We're talking about guys in, in instances where genius is a part of it, I think. Because, I mean, there's almost always going to be genius in the things we talk about, the, the circumstances we, we bring up from history, because those are the things that will last. So maybe that's kind of an excuse to say, well, it's real easy to come up with those. Well, yeah, because they last. But it is easy to see the tragedy in those examples that we talk about where, where we don't act honorably. Because we see the harm that does not that comes from not acting acting honorably, uh, and when we think about all the cases in history where somebody does not act honorably, very rarely is there not going to be serious harm to one another, especially when you get you know the higher up you get in any kind of a hierarchy, mm-hmm. uh, the less honorable you are, the more harm you do because you can affect more people. Uh, the more honorable you are, the more good you can do because you can affect more people. And to use a doom as an example, maybe it, maybe it's easier to use a doom as an example because um, we can see, I, for, for whatever reason, Dr. Doom is just more easily relatable than, than and that's a good thing, yeah. than a Hitler. Sure, Or absolutely. a Stalin, or a Mao, or... Whoever, or Jefferson, you want Jefferson Davis, okay, or George the Third, right? You know anybody you want to see is on the what we we consider the losing side of history. Well, it's hard to say when you when you're a king and you remain <coughs> king that you're on the losing side of history, but he did lose an entire continent. So yes, um, when you when you're on that that losing side, and you you know it's easy to see how you have. Been dis- the other side is easy to see how you've been dishonorable because you know, we see our grievances. We see the tragedy that could have been. Um, you know, to look at it from a British perspective, what could have been if they had created nobles in the colonies? Well, yeah, but uh, we already said it, then the whole place would be Canada and you know what kind of weather they have. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, but being from Michigan, it's like, so? That's just normal. I mean, yeah. granted, you know, Michigan doesn't have as, weather as bad as, you know, Alberta, but still. Um, so, your, your quote here has, has led me to a question. Oh, excellent. Questions are great. So, again, we, we were given the Roddenberry Pinata some swings here. Yeah. Uh, and I took a couple of disses at Roddenberryism. So... The Ferengi are generally portrayed as dishonorable because they're not inspired by human betterment like the Federation. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yet, their profit motive mm-hmm. led them to usually act honorably because. Can you give an example? The rules because of I can acquisition think... prescribe. How economic activity is supposed to happen, but you know within, what? Within within the Ferengi society, those who who broke the rules of acquisition 
in order to be profitable were usually punished. It certainly didn't succeed. In their particular circumstances, yes, but I would argue that they were not... They were... The Ferengi, even... Even in DS9, with the uh, wonderful characters of Quark and Rom and Nog... Yes. uh, And the Grand Nagus. (laughs) That's right. uh, They were not presented as anything to look up to. Because they always embodied the worst of robber baron capitalism. Right, and that's that's when they were first introduced. That's exactly the words that Data used. You know, oh yeah, the, you're the, right. The worst aspect. I had forgotten that. That's yes. right. They, they tended to because uh, Riker says what do you because they said they were traders. T r t r a d e r s. And Riker says, does that mean they're not unlike us? He goes, no. This refers to the worst qualities of capitalism, which was Roddenberry's intent, by the way. Yes, he, it was. He his wanted intent. he wanted to slam capitalism up against the wall. And he realized all he did was end up creating, in many respects, a they joke. They were a joke. Until DS9, they were a joke. Right. Because they and didn't seem to be, how can this society have not consumed itself by now? Uh, right. Right. They and were presented as, as greedy, uh, no honor, no... Ridiculous. They were ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that was not his original intent, though. Because he wanted them to be the big bads of the series. That's correct. Dangerous. But, but, but that, that first episode that they created, them when they're... Small of stature and just kind of ridiculous. The the, the genie was out of the bottle. They could, yeah, they could they, never, they, they could they never recover, recover from, from that. that. Um, they were also, you know, incredibly sexist, uh, and that you know, women have no no rights uh, and no roles and no than, roles. Than, and than, they were and the whole sexuality thing was uh, uh, what is uh, uh, forbidden was reversed uh, in a very ridiculous way. That you know, women were kept uh, unclothed in. Ferengi society, and that to put clothes on a woman was incredibly um, scandalous. Uh, not because it was, you know, you, you removed the titillation, but this clothing was titillation. Uh, which, you know, which, you know, some people, you know, we've had this discussion before, you know, if you hide something, is it more titillating than when you show it? And, you know, people have their, their preferences. But still, what was always the worst of specifically Western and American civilization is what was presented as the Ferengis. And whenever the Ferengis were presented in a good light, it was like when Ron would, when he, when he comes to the Grand Nagus and turns everything upside down. So right, they so did follow rules, but honestly, I don't know they were ever presented in a, in a, in a really in a good way. No, no, the, the, and because the intention was to, we're going to slam capitalism at every opportunity. And, and that they were but, consistent but, with that. And, and, but didn't that really essentially fall through? I mean, it was ineffective. Well, it was. It was, a, it was an ineffective slam because people ended up liking those characters. Well, but they liked them when they were less Ferengi like. We are getting some real. Oh, because it's uh, Thunder. Thunder Day. Yes, yeah, so we are recording this on the day of Thunder over Louisville, and the air show is going on. So they're all. So they're all headed down to the river right now. Yes. So that's, that's the sound of freedom, boys. Yes. Uh, this is the day in which Kentucky has the something like the third or fourth largest air force in the entire world. Um, oh, yes, yes. And so so Francis reminded me I need to wrap this thing up real quick here, even though I, I won't get the half hour that, that you guys did for each of yours. Um, but I think when they acted in the most un-Ferengi-like is when they were liked. No. That, okay. is, that is correct. Yeah, now, people right. did like the rules of acquisition because they were treated almost as a joke. Um, yeah. 
Not always, because there were some rules of acquisition that were actually pretty good. Philosophically, they were good. Yeah. Uh, but then there were things like, you know, war is good for business. Peace is good for business. That's right. The implication being that, you know, the unscrupulous man can take advantage of either situation. Yeah, there's money to be made if you're, no matter what. Exactly, which is true. So, you know, it's a truism, so it's kind of hard to argue with that. But they always presented it in, in a negative light. Um, but providing things people need in a society is an honorable task. It is. That's why Roddenberry's that's why this whole system fails. Fails. It's effed up, in my opinion. Yeah. So we have a third piñata now to hang. Roddenberry's... Uh, so we have Woodrow Wilson... We have John Stuart Mill, yeah, and now we're hanging a, a Roddenberry piñata, despite our love for Star Trek. It would seem to be that way, yes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, because to me, you know, Roddenberry's view of society, is, had no intention of tying Trek to this quote, but I think his view of society, on one hand, is genius. Yeah. Because he, he, he is... Come up with a vision of the future where we have moved past uh, all of the horrible things that we see today. The racism, yeah, yeah. the hatred. We're, things that hold us back. Yeah. Things yeah, that hold us back. It. So it's very aspirational while at the same time being somewhat foolish. Uh, inf- infantile, infantile is the way I would put it. Because, yeah. it's, a very, because it's, the, it's like when you were a kid, you know. Or it's like Oprah. You get a car and you get a car and you get a car. We can't all have cars. I mean, we can, but you got to work for it. you got to earn it. Yeah, we can't all be given everything. That's why the replicator is the most nonsensical thing ever. It's great technology. It's a great de- story device. But in reality, it would disrupt society so badly that... Nobody would ever leave the house. You'd never even get dressed. You wouldn't right. get out of bed. Well, yeah, well the holodeck's the same way. You know, right. Why, well, why would you holiday. ever leave it? The, you and they did a whole episode on that with that's Barclay. Right. That's yeah. right, yeah. Well, you'd never have a normal relationship with another human being. And, right. and society would die off very quickly. Yeah, because I mean, would, would would what would the holodeck be used for? Yeah, uh, sex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's what technology is always used for. That's right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, so, a, there's a reason VHS won over beta. <laughs> no, <laughs> finish but, up. Let's, let's get friends. But that kind of genius, though, I, I would call that, to, to go back to a quote about a man, uh, you know, the most tragic thing is a man of genius who is not a man of honor. Um, I, all of these things we've talked about really kind of falls into this because they, they are tragic in the sense that, uh, you know, they show that we know what we ought to be in the case of Socrates. Yeah. Right? And... Right. Uh, Give me the exact quote because I don't, I don't want to mangle it. What did you say yours was, Martin? Uh, Calvin Coolidge, uh, what we're, we're not honored because of what we received, but what right. we gave. Right. So it's it's recognizing that service to others. Yes. Right? Yes. So in a way, this whole Star Trek thing kind of ties that together itself, even though the quote is not in somewhere. Right. Like yeah. Because we're saying that, you know, we are trying to be what we ought to be. Right. And you know we're trying to embody this this whole idea of what we do is where honor comes from, but for what purpose? And recognizing the the because I mean I, I just don't see honor in having everything done for me. Yeah, I don't see honor in pretending that I'm something that I'm not. 
yeah. without trying to work towards being that. Because you, you become what you want to be by acting like that. And eventually it just becomes who you are. So like, I want to be a great writer. What do I do? I write. And I try and get better at it. Right? Yep. And, you know, the whole presumption is that there is a, a genius in all of us. Again, you want to talk about inherent dignity and all that. I view that all kind of the same thing. That, that, that potential for doing one thing, great. Uh, whether it's writing a book, whether it's painting a picture, whether it's being the best you can be, best friend you can be, best whatever. There's something you can do better than anybody else in your particular way. Your right? own particular idiom. Yes, your only particular uh, idiom, sorry. Yes, idiom. Um, that can only be done by you. And not doing that or, you know, going along with a crowd or pretending that you're something that you're not that is, you know, but not in the way we're talking about, you know, be what you, what you pretend to be. Some people pretend to be bad things because of selfish reasons. And, you know, th- that's tragedy to me. Tragedy is uh, tragedy is almost by definition a lack of honor in any particular situation mm-hmm. when you yeah. think about it. Because what are tragic things? When bad, when lots of bad things happen to people, whether it be a one person or you know three thousand people who died on nine eleven, those are all tragic things, and tragic things are never the result of people doing things honorably. Well, I don't want to say that because you could be you do things for the right reason. What you think are good things, what appear to be good things, but tragedy may still result. Um, but as we like to say, there's always exceptions to a particular rule. Generalizations. Yes, we recognize generalizations are bad, but everybody uses them because they're they're good tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But generally speaking, tragedy comes from a lack of honor. Amen. I mean, you know, I mean that's essentially what this quote says to yeah. me. And whether you know, however you want to put that, whether it's I like that you know like doing it. things like and expecting you know expecting honor for not having done anything uh, because you think you'll be great or you know because of who you think you are or pride selfishness whatever yeah. or because well I mean really I mean both of your quotes really the heart of it is pride and selfishness mm-hmm. yeah and then this too hubris yeah right. our favorite word it's so, a Go ahead, uh, Francis. What is up time next? Or what is up next? We are going to finish our run through with the American Revolution. We are? I thought we had more episodes. I've looked at the schedule because you know how I'm. We're going to talk about basically what happened after the forming of a government. Forming of a government. Okay. Yeah, and that's. The post revolution. Well, okay, now you've won. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, they've won the war. How do they win the peace? And of course, that's that's a story all unto itself. So be here next episode and we'll talk about it. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next time.